begin tonight as we have the last uh, sermons in this series by asking our children to come down front. I know there's probably not as many children because there's not as many adults, but I'll go ahead and ask them to come on down front as we share with them from the story of Joseph. All right, guys, come on out. Okay, well, we are finishing tonight the story of Joseph and all of his adventures that God had for him. So we're going to read this story, and I'll try to show it to everybody, but if you want to come down front, you might see the book a little bit better. Okay, so this is where we left Joseph last time. Turn over here. There we go. So his brothers had come back. Leave, I told my servants, leave now. And then I said, I am your brother, Joseph. Is our father really alive? My brothers pulled away from me. I could see fear on every face. But, but we thought someone began. Yes, I know, I said. You sold me as a slave. But you are not. No, I am not a slave. Not now, I replied. I remember remembering Potiphar and prison, but God sent me here ahead of you so that I could help you. You couldn't know that, and neither could I. Finally, the fear began to, uh, to leave their faces. And that's all we're going to read tonight, because Joseph's story... Is almost done. So I want to ask you, have you ever been really afraid? Never? We're pretty brave. Anyone else been really afraid? Never. We've got some fearless kids here tonight. Well, you know what? I have. There have been some times when I've been really afraid. And sometimes we get really afraid and we wonder, where is God? And you know what? God is always right here. So I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you like M&Ms? Okay. I'm going to make you a deal. Right? You can do this however you want. You can have an M&M right now. If you want, you can have an M&M right now. Or, if you wait until later. You wait until you go back there to the multipurpose room with Mr. Ron... And you are very good, and you do and you exactly what Mr. Ron or whoever's in charge says. You can have five M&Ms. Okay? So that's the deal. You can have one right now, or you can have five later. Does anyone want one right now? Okay. That's all right. I'll give you one right now. You can have one right now, or you can have five later. You sure you want one right now? Okay. Anybody else want one right now, or you want five later? You want you want five? You want five? You want okay. All right. Well, I'm going to ask Mr. Ron. Here's the M and M's. If you're very good for him, then you can you carry them. <laughs> Smart thinking. No, 
You let me carry them, okay? You know, that's how God works, though. Sometimes God has some very good things planned for us, but he wants us to wait. And sometimes it's hard to wait, isn't it? Yeah, Joseph learned about waiting. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight with your parents. So ask them about waiting, okay? Now, if you normally go back to the children's hour, you can head out right back there to that door. Otherwise, you can go sit back with your parents, okay? Tyler. I'm watching. I know exactly how many M&Ms are in there. Give that to Mr. Ron, please. So they say that It's very important whenever you're speaking to an audience to know who you're speaking to. And uh, so I've evaluated the audience tonight. We have in front of us the Sunday night crowd. So these are people that are hardcore. Now out of that, which is like half of the normal group, we've got those people who are not concerned in the least about cold weather. Right? They're going to tough it out. Regardless of the snow, the ice, and any of that, doesn't bother them one bit. There are people right now that are home, they're warm, they're cozy, and not you. You're not worried about that. And finally, I've got a group of people who do not care about KU basketball. And, well, okay, maybe that's not true. Some of you are watching your phones very intently tonight. That's okay. I do appreciate you coming. For those of you listening to the recording, I'm talking to four people. So, I'd like to tell you a story about a Chinese farmer. This Chinese farmer was a a very diligent worker. Uh, He had worked his whole life as a farmer. In fact, his father was a farmer and his father's father was a farmer. The land had been passed down to them and that was all he had ever known. He worked... The villagers would see him from sunrise to sunset out in the fields. Didn't matter what time of year it was, he was always out there either preparing the soil or planting the seed or harvesting. Well, the old Chinese farmer was very enthusiastic about his work. Now, he didn't have a lot of money, and that was okay by him, because what he was able to do in his harvest was provide the basics. From that harvest every year, he would get enough to put a little shelter for his family, to feed them, to clothe them. There was very little left over, and he was okay with that. But one day as he was out in his fields, he realized how very hard it was to work, and that someday he would come to a point in his life where he would be too old or too tired or too sick to work in the fields as he had done. And then the question arose in his mind, How will I provide? And so he said, I need a plan. So he went to visit his friend, the merchant. And he told his friend of his problem, and the merchant proposed a solution. He went back into his tent, and he pulled back bamboo seeds. And he said, I believe these are the answer to your problem. The farmer listened as the merchant explained to him that if he would take care of these seeds now, they would take care of him later. But it was very important that he plant these seeds carefully, put them in the most fertile soil, and that he would clear out the weeds and the debris. And most important, the merchant said, to water the seeds every day. So if there was no rainfall from the heavens, 
It would have to come from your bucket. But every single day, the seeds would need moisture. It seemed like a good plan to the farmer. He had been doing this all of his life. It was not unlike what he had been doing and what he had been trained to do. So with great diligence and careful planning, he set out with the bamboo seeds, planted them, cleared the area where he was to plant them, made sure there was no debris, nothing in the way, plenty of good sunlight, and watered, and watered and watered. Day after day, week after week, month after month, 365 days a year, he watered. At the end of that first year, he noticed that there was no growth. Not, not one little sprig out of the ground. Nothing that he could notice that he could see a benefit from his labor. He began to doubt the merchant. Begin to wonder if what he said was true. If, if the seeds he sold him were good. But the merchant told him to keep faith. Continue to do what I've told you. And continue to water the seeds. And one day, if you take care of those seeds, they will take care of you. He did this in and out for one year, two years, three years, four years. And at the end of the four years, would you know what? There was absolutely zero evidence that anything had been planted. The scriptures tell us that faith is the appearance of things hoped for, the assurance of things unseen. Now, that is a very easy thing to define in a verse, but it's much harder to apply in life. Because sometimes the things which we put our faith in let us down. Sometimes the things which we believe end up to not be true. So how is it that we worship an unseen God? How is it that we follow an unseen Savior? We praise Him and worship Him, and yet we have never seen Him or heard Him. Scriptures tell us that his glory would simply overwhelm us. What we're going to talk about tonight is we continue examining Joseph's story and how it applies to our story. We said that every story has five basic elements. They are characters, plot, conflict, resolution, and ending. Tonight, we discussed the resolution of the three conflicts that we discussed last week. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the assurance of things unseen. We said last week that there were three basic problems, conflicts, that Joseph had in his story. Dangerous dreams, a deep drought, and a difficult dynasty. Well, the first resolution that God brought to Joseph's problem was a realization of the dream. Now, if you're one who follows along in your Bible or on your phone, that'd be great. You want to turn to Genesis chapter 45. Tonight, we're going to be in verses 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. And in these seven verses, we're going to learn Joseph's aha moment when he reveals himself to his brothers and finds out the resolution to his conflicts. The first... uh, Resolution that God brought was the realization of the dream. Remember now, Joseph is Egyptian royalty. No one comes before him without making an appointment, and no one comes into his presence without taking a knee. And don't you know that when he saw his brothers for that first time, they looked thinner and older and grayer and weaker than they had ever been. 
And yet when they came into his presence, they did exactly what he had dreamed about all those years ago. They bowed before him. And Joseph understand, understood in that moment that the dreams, all the difficulty that he had gone through were doing one thing. They were accomplishing his, and by his I mean God's, purpose. The, the dreams were, were showing not Joseph's purpose, not his parents' purpose, not his brother's purpose, not Potiphar's purpose. Thank goodness not Potiphar's wife's purpose, not even the prisoner's purpose or the Pharaoh's purpose. It was God's purpose in all of it that prevailed. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21, the scripture says, Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. You see, all these characters in this story had a plan for Joseph. They had a dream of what he was to accomplish and what he was to do for them. But God had something else in mind. God had something greater in mind. As we look at the rainbow, we are reminded of God, his fidelity in keeping his promise. The promise he made to Noah, that he would save their family and never again destroy earth, life on earth with a flood. He kept that promise. Don't you know that every time they saw that rainbow, they reminded their children and their children's children of the promise that God had made. God has purpose in his promise. And this is the first realization that Joseph came to, is that God made the dream come true. God fulfilled the promise. Secondly, is that God had a remedy. God had a remedy for the drought. The remedy had nothing to do with grain piles or water. The remedy had to do with Joseph. In verses uh, 6 and 7, he says, God brought me here. God brought me here to, to do this ahead of time, to prepare a remnant and to save lives. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this program. It's called Doomsday Preppers. It's on the National Geographic channel. Kind of an interesting program, fun to watch. A little bit scary. Some weird people out there. And what they do is they document the lives of people who believe that the world is going to end. Now, just as a side note, I believe the world is going to end. But they have a very specific plan for how it's going to end. And so they go through and they say, okay, how do you think the world is going to end? And so what we think, there's, there's going to be a massive disruption in the food supply. So, so see here all this food that we have stacked up. And look at our garden and, uh, and all these animals that we have. Uh, there was one guy on there who, uh, who was a mobile prepper. He had an RV and he would travel around. And he had all his food, all his supplies, everything with him. And they have all these plans to prepare for the end of the world. There is just one problem with that, is that human beings are miserable when it comes to predicting the future. We are miserable at coming up with a plan to prepare for problems that haven't yet happened. And all of those plans and preparations have side effects and unintended consequences. My wife, as a few of you know, has some health problems. And so because of that, there's a, kitchen, there's a cabinet in our kitchen that looks sort of like a miniature Walgreens. You open the door, and there's all these different drugs. And On the, uh, each of those pill bottles, there's a warning about how to take this and how to not to take this. And every time she gets a new one, she's reading the pamphlet about all the side effects of this drug that she's going to take. 
And the pharmacist warns her and asks her about what else she's taking, make sure there's no uh, interaction between the drugs. Hmm. It's interesting. When we have plans, they have all these unintended consequences. When we have solutions, they have all these side effects. And you've seen the commercials on TV. Do you have dry skin? Well, take this pill. Warning, doctors say that if you take this pill, you'll have hallucinations, palpitations, uh, headaches, and explosive diarrhea. But your skin, your skin will look fabulous. I think I'll take dry skin, okay? God was the remedy for the drought, you see. It wasn't, it wasn't Joseph's plan. It wasn't the Pharaoh's plan. It was God bringing Joseph to prepare the people, to prepare the remnant, to save many lives. It had to do with God's planning, not ours. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, the, uh, prophet, God says to the prophet, My people have committed two sins. Two sins. They have rejected me, the spring of living water. Instead, they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that will not hold water. Now, if you're a prepper... And you're out there and you're preparing for the end of the world. Which, which would be a better source? This, this broken hole that won't stay full of water or this continually renewing source of life that constantly is reliable and available? Well, of course, the spring. But for people of faith, it comes down to this. Are you going to trust in the living spring? Or are you going to trust in your own broken cistern full of unintended consequences? full of things that you didn't foresee happening. And, and, and all dependent upon your accuracy in predicting the future. God is not just the bringer, the, didn't just bring the realization of a dream. He brought the remedy to the drought. And it was God who was going to deliver them, and it wasn't going to be the plans or purposes that anyone else had in mind. Finally, God brought restoration of Joseph's family. And this is a difficult one because at that moment where his family comes in, they are, the brothers are deathly afraid. How would Joseph react? How would you have reacted if your family had treated you how they treated him? Would you have wanted justice, fairness? He could have done that. He could have said, put these boys in a pit Sell them as slaves. That's what they did to me. That's what I'll do to them. No, Joseph reacts with grace. And he gives them far more than they deserve. And why did Joseph do that? Because he realized that all the things which God had been leading him through were for a purpose. And God had taught him forgiveness. And God had taught him that he had something better in mind. The verse you see up there, Romans 8.28, the one that Tyler quoted for you. And we know in all things that God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. I know there are times when things seem bad, when people do things to you that are unfair and that don't seem right. But God can use those things and make the very best of them. I showed the kids M&M's earlier. Would you like to see our M&M dispenser? Let's see if this is... The, yeah. This is our M&M dispenser. At home. 
during our potty training with Grace, we have been using the M&M dispenser. And the M&M dispenser basically works so that when Grace does a, you know, exactly what she's supposed to do, then we go to the M&M dispenser and we get the M&M. There's one problem with this. I, I think they, they put the dispenser at the worst possible location on the M&M dispenser, right? Isn't this not the worst place to get small chocolate candies? I suppose it's good. It goes along with potty training, but it just, you know. Now, why do I use this silly illustration? One, so I could have an M&M during sermon. But two, to remind you of this simple truth. Sometimes, with God, good things come from bad places. Now, I am not a theologian, so I'm giving you my beta version of my theology, okay? People ask, why do bad things happen to good people? Again, this is not a fully tested idea. This is just my thought on Romans 8.28. And that is, sometimes God allows the bad to happen to the good to achieve the greater. Sometimes God allows the bad to happen to the good to achieve the greater. Now please, don't in some misguided, well-meaning, bumper sticker theology, go to someone who's just had a tragedy and said, well, you know at church, I just heard that sometimes God allows the bad to happen to the good to achieve the greater. Please don't. But I think in some situations... God does allow bad things for his greater purpose. Think of the perspective of a caterpillar for just a minute. He's going along. He's not the king of the jungle. He's not the king of the sea, but he's having a good time. Crawling along, eating leaves, not making too much fuss, and nobody really bothering him. And all of a sudden, God takes him up, kind of sort of duct tape wraps him up real tight, hangs him upside down in a tree and says, wait. Now, from the caterpillar's perspective, what just happened is bad. From God's perspective and our perspective, we know that what's coming is much greater. God brought a realization of the dream. He brought a remedy for the drought. And he brought restoration for the family. And in doing those three things, he revealed... His eternal purpose to us. So how do we connect the dots on all of this? The temptation here is to look at Joseph's story and then to begin to say, okay, so if God did this with Joseph, looking backward, then I can look forward at the things coming up in my life, the things that I'm worried about, the things that I'm stressing over, and I can sort of connect these dots. Uh, uh, Wait a second. With faith walking, here's how it works. You do not get the luxury of connecting the dots going forward. You only get the luxury of connecting the dots looking backward. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Right? Everything that's in front of you, you don't know how that's going to work out. I'm not going to claim to know that either. Faith walking is looking backward so that you can trust forward. We don't connect the dots of things in our lives, the things that are going to happen, and assume we're going to work that out, and that's exactly how God wants it 
wants it done. No. We look backward. We look at his promises. We look what he did. We look what he said. We put 100% of our faith in him. And we say, I don't know what's ahead, God. Could be the pit. Could be the palace. But I trust you. Wherever you lead me. So where does that leave us? Well, three things. One is, you've got to stop worrying. I know that... Stop worrying. Jesus said, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Yeah, that's a pretty good question. Try. Try adding a single hour to your life. He says, since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Worry is one of those sins we kind of wink and smile at in the church. But it's still a sin. And you know why? Because not only does it not add any hours to our life, more than likely it subtracts them. It keeps us from trusting God and putting our faith fully 100% in Him. So stop it. I mean it, stop. Whatever things you're worried about, stop it. Your worrying is doing no good. It's not changing a thing. And it's making you miserable. Second, remember to keep watering. Chinese farmer continued to water. And he watered just as he had done the previous four years, every day, every week, every month, throughout the next year. And then about the time of the fifth year anniversary, he went outside carrying those water buckets, and he saw that there were sprouts coming from the bamboo shoot. And he was amazed. It had been over 1,500 days since he planted those seeds. And now here they were growing. But they didn't just grow. They grew. Chinese bamboo grows at a rate of two or three feet a day. No lie. Because that's how God designed it. It won't do anything for the first four or five years. Once it starts growing, you can't stop it. And it will keep growing and keep growing and keep growing and keep growing till it towers 80, 90 feet tall. till you can't even see the top of it. What you're looking at is a real time-lapse video of bamboo in its fifth year growing. Now, we look at Joseph and his story, and he has everything, right? The, the drought is coming near to an end. He's restored to his family. He's in charge. Family's coming to Egypt. Everything's working out. And we see that 90-foot-tall bamboo, and we go, God, why can't you do that for me? And the answer is, he is. You just got to keep watering. You got to keep watering. God said, my word is like the rain that achieves for it the purpose for which I sent it. You keep watering every area of your life. Your friendships, your relationships, your husband, your wife, your family, you keep watering. Your job, you keep watering. Your spiritual life, you keep watering. And you may not see any results for two or three or four years or decades. But there will come a point where you will start growing and growing and growing. And God will do more in you than you ever thought he could do. Anything more than you could have asked or imagined or dreamed. And you'll keep growing. Stop worrying. Start watering. And remember the what. Remember what God did. Look around for what God is doing and be amazed.
at what God will do. Joseph's resolution didn't come overnight, and ours isn't going to either. But when it comes, stand back and get ready. It'll rock your world. If you're ready to walk in faith tonight and you haven't begun the first step, please come as we stand and sing.